All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. On Sportsnet 590, the fan, the Sportsnet radio network. Shout out to our folks across the country. <coughs> Sportsnet 360, I'm sorry. No, you're not. And wherever you get, no, I'm not. Wherever you get your favorite podcast. Uh, Stubby Clap for Space Coach of the St. Louis Cardinals. Joins us at 11.30, longtime Canadian national team stalwart. Tim Kirkchen, newly minted mm. baseball Hall of Famer, uh, will join us at uh, in a few minutes. We've got tickets to give away. We've been giving away tickets all year, as you know. But we've got tickets to give away to see the Blue Jays and the Cleveland Guardians on August 12th. Yesterday, we asked you, Cleveland player holds the team record for most steals in the season. It was Kenny Lofton with 75 in 1996. A couple of decent guesses. A couple of Grady Sizemores dropped in there. Rajai Davis. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that a good one. A, that was a, yeah, that was, that was, that was solid. A great guess. That was a solid guess. Nonetheless, the right answer is Kenny Lofton, who's still 75 in 1996. And to my mind, remains just one of the most underappreciated players in the game. Smart base runners aren't remembered for a ton. And he's, he's really, he's really, it's an art. You, you look at the, the base running at the big league level is atrocious. Oh my God. Oh my God. How do you, what do you, what do you it's think? It's atrocious. What do you think guys like Kenny Lofton think right now when they, I, when I don't they know, look at like freeze on a line drive. It just seems like the hardest thing to do yeah. in Major League Baseball, which just blows my mind. Like, think it through before it actually happens. It's okay to go station to station. When in doubt, freeze. Huh, look, line drive. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. He catches it, you wave at him. Like, anyhow. Today's question is to win tickets, as I said, to see the Jays and Guardians down at the Rogers Center on August 12th. The question is, who managed Cleveland to two World Series appearances in the 1990s? We need come up with more difficult questions. I think you should do that. <sighs> Don't be afraid. Do a little work. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who managed Cleveland to two World Series appearances in the 1990s? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Sure, let's come up with something else for Blair to do. No, why, no, don't we do in, we. why don't we do in the West? It, we can do it in the East, in the West, and in the Central. I got you to do one little thing, and it's like it's just it just drives you nuts. Yeah, yeah, but it requires work on a Monday morning and a Sunday night. Two of my least productive. Well, I know you don't do it on my Sunday night, so that's a productive. Lie. But those are two of my least you're productive. To, you're trying to cram all, all that in at 15 minutes before the show starts. <laughs> Lance, put this in. I'm writing this. I'll say that. Lance, just get something from <laughs> Kevin Cash. It'd make it easier, by the way, if the Orioles downloaded that. We, we, I, I'd love to have some stuff from the Orioles there, but we can't find any Orioles comments anywhere from. Because we got to stop. Be, just, just keep doing what you're doing and be quiet about it. That's no, what we, they're trying to do. We got to stop. You know, we got to start moving the fences. We got to start talking about the Orioles now. You know, because the the Red Sox that are in the last place. <laughs> it's not the oh, Orioles. Not funny. You know, it, yeah, it just brings me so much untold joy to see the Red Sox in last place. You know what else brought me untold joy? What? Tim Kirchin going into the Hall of Fame That's as a recipient of the BBWAA Career Excellence Award. Tim Kirchin of ESPN joins us on uh, Blair and Barker. Tim, first of all, congratulations mm-hmm. uh, on the induction. It was funny. Um, my 
I remember when I found out that Peter Gammons was was getting the award, and my first reaction was, I thought he was already in. And um, <laughs> frankly, the same thing when I thought, geez, didn't we we put Kirchin in a while ago, which says two things, Tim. It means, one, you were, you know, really well-respected by everybody, mm. or two, we're both old. <laughs> because I swear to God, I said, I thought Kirchin went in already. But anyhow, congratulations mm-hmm. and uh, terrific well. speech, man. Thank you. It's definitely the latter, Jeff. We are really <laughs> old. And as corny as it sounds, Jeff, seriously, what what really did it for me this weekend was seeing all my writer friends there and hearing from all my writer friends. It's one thing to be around Hall of Fame players, which is still the thrill of a lifetime for me, but it means more when Dan Shaughnessy or Jason Stark or Peter Gammons uh, puts their arm around you and says, welcome to the club. That That's when you know you've really arrived when your peers are talking that way. That was so cool. Tim, Tim, it's not every day we have a Hall of Famer on here, but I got to ask, whenever you sign an autograph, do you put your name and then put HOF after it? See, I would. Absolutely, I would too. You have to, Tim. Well, technically I'm not a Hall of Famer, okay? Johnny Bench is a Hall of Famer. I was awarded uh, and honored by the Hall of Fame, and yes, there is a, uh, there's an area there for writers, but technically I'm not a Hall of Famer. Now, uh, we had some collectors in, in Cooperstown who asked me to sign it, Tim Kirchin, HOF 2022. So I did, but I will never sign that unless somebody asks me to do that because, A, it's a little inaccurate, it's a bit pretentious, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah, well, Ed, you uh, self-deprecation has always uh-huh. been has always been one of your strong Second points. All, all kidding aside, we're really, 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 really we happy are. for you, my friend. It's really well-deserved and... Uh, it's a great list, and um, you are certainly a, uh, a worthy addition to it. And I loved reading some of the articles about your induction. The idea of having Johnny Bench wanting to have a picture taken with you and your family, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's so real quickly cool. on that, I asked I ask Johnny Bench, could you, he's walking by, I said, could you meet my two brothers and my children and all that, which, of course, he was more than willing to do. And he said, let's get some pictures. So I just assume he's going to be in all the pictures with us surrounding him. Instead, hmm. he pulls out his camera, he lines up my entire family and, and takes 10-minute pictures of my family. It was unbelievable. Then we said, Johnny, we need you in the picture because you're the greatest catcher of all time. So he gave the camera to somebody else to take the pictures of my family with Johnny Bench, and he gave the camera to Paul Molitor, who then took a picture <laughs> of my family with Johnny Bench. He gave it to a guy who's got more hits than Willie Bay. So there's Paul Molitor taking pictures of my family. It was just surreal oh. that all this was happening. But speaking directly to how great those guys are, they took part in all things, including taking pictures of my family. One thing, one story I did want to ask you about, because I, I knew that you, you obviously, you, you, you know, worked a long time in Baltimore and you developed a really good personal and professional relationship with Cal Ripken. And I knew that you were, you know, people might, well, I mean, people might be a little surprised when I say you were a really good basketball player. Like there, and there was a time when there was a whole raft of, of baseball writers who were really good basketball players. Tell us about you and did you and Ripken actually play basketball on the road? 
Not, not on the road. Okay. We, we, this is this Jeff. This is a terrible, raging conflict of interest. But I accidentally no, ended up. You're in playing a basketball game. with Cal Ripken. That's I know. That's not a conflict of interest. I call that. Awesome. That's life. That's awesome. It is. Right. We started out in this dingy little gym uh, before he built his own gym on in the back of his house. So when we started out there, that's where the the best games were. We'd have 10 guys. We'd play all night. It was just so much fun. And occasionally, if I was on the other team and Ripken's guy was a little late getting down on offense, he enjoyed harassing me all the way down the court, like end-to-end guarding me like this is an NCAA championship game and the full court presses on. He is a foot taller than me, weighs 100 pounds more than I do, and he would just harass me all the way down the floor just to see if he could stay in front of a a three-foot point guard, and he did, of course. So I finally just looked at him, and I said, would you please just leave me alone? Would you just stop trying for one second? And he said no, and that was the end of the discussion. So you're right, Jeff. I learned more about him as a baseball player by playing basketball with him because I recognized just how competitive and determined he was, how things had to be done properly. And believe me, if you're the point guard and your head is down and you're missing open guys on the floor, he will not hesitate to say, what are you doing? Get your head up. Let's go. That's who he is. Uh, those, those are great stories. I, I promise we're going to ask you about trade deadline and stuff, but this, this is so inter- interesting. But we got to keep this going. If you had to tell one story about your career, what story? If somebody that walked up to you that, that had never met you before and wanted to ask you about one story and you, you could tell this one story, what would that story be? Well, it, it's an important story because it, it, kind of, it kind of set me straight on something. I didn't need this story being told to me. But when I, when I covered the Rangers in 1982, I was like 24 years old and the Rangers were terrible. And I staggered into manager Don Zimmer's office in May. The team had lost 11 games in a row. So I got this haggard look on my face and Zim looks at me and says, what's wrong with you? And I said, Zim, uh, I must tell you, covering this team isn't nearly as much fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and then he looked at me, and I, I, I'm quoting here. He said, ah, quit complaining. Look at yourself. You're young. You're good-looking. you got your whole life in front of you. He said, look at me. I'm old. I'm fat. I'm bald. I'm ugly. i got a plate in my head, and i got this team to manage. I'm the one with all the worries. So quit complaining and recognize how lucky you are to be covering this game every day. So that was a story that I didn't need to hear from Zim, but when you get chided by him, you recognize exactly what a privilege it was to cover the game back then, and 40 years later, it's still a privilege. Tim, if I had told you, and then, and uh, again, you do have very strong Baltimore ties, if I had told you at the start of the season that we'd be here a week before the trade deadline and the Baltimore Orioles would be ahead of the Boston Red Sox in the standings, what would you have said? Well, like anyone else, I would have said, you're crazy. Let's not forget, Jeff, they finished the Orioles 39 games out of fourth place last year. (laughs) That's only one other team in major league history has finished that far behind any team in the, the second worst team in its league or its division in any season. 
39 out of fourth. And now not only are they not in last place, they're close. They're, you know, they're, they got a shot at finishing second, which I don't think is going to happen. But again, fellas, this speaks to the beauty of baseball, how great it is. I covered the 88 Orioles. They lost their first 21 games. Right. They went, they lost 107 games and they had zero chance of being any good in 1989 and the blue Jays knocked them out of the playoff race head to head that final weekend of the, of the season at the sky dome in 89, a great series. Otherwise the Orioles would have won the division in 89. This is why baseball is the greatest game is you can go from so good to so bad so quickly. And sometimes in this case, you don't even see it coming. Tim, do you think this changes what the Red Sox might do? Do you think it's a big deal to the Red Sox organization if they finish behind the Orioles? Yeah, I'm kind of wondering and waiting to see what the Red Sox are going to do. Their shortstop and their third baseman are great players, all-star game starters, basically, and they're unsigned after this season. I mean, uh, Devers has a few years to go before free agency, but they got to get those guys locked up. And I think if they finish in last place, and I don't think they will, they're going to have to have a long look at their organization and say, what are we trying to do here? Who are we trying to keep long-term? Because if you let Raphael Devers get away at age 25 with that track record already and that future Wow. And, and Xander Bogarts is nearly as good as Devers, given the defense he adds at that position. So they got a lot of work to do. What do you think the chances are that we see a Juan Soto deal between now and, uh, what, Tuesday at, uh, at 6? Yeah, this is a hard one, Jeff. I think, it's, I think it's 50-50. The downside is pulling off a deal of this magnitude is so, so difficult to do. And I don't know if it can be done in two and a half weeks, which is basically all Mike Rizzo is going to have to do this. Um, the other part, though, is I think his value will be greater now than at any other point because you will get him for three postseasons, three Octobers, if you trade him now. If you trade for him after the season or or trade deadline next year, you only get him for two. So I think the Nationals can get more for him now than ever, and it will be fascinating these next six days to see what happens. Do you think the Angels should trade Otani? Now, no, they should not. They should exhaust every possibility to make sure he returns to their team in an enormous free agent contract deal and do not let him get away. However, if let's say a year from now with free agency four months away, instead of 14 months away, and they look and say, we're not going to be able to sign him. He doesn't want to come back here. And I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. That's the time you have to trade him. I would not trade him now. He is the most remarkable player any of us has ever seen and you got to keep him and try to sign him until you say there's no choice. He's not staying. we got to deal him now. Tim, really good of you to join mm -hmm. us today. Thanks so much again. Congratulations. Uh, it was a great weekend. I'm really, really happy for you. You know how I feel about you mm -hmm. personally and professionally. So really well done, man. You're the best. Well, thank you, fellas. Talk to you soon. See you. Absolutely. You. Tim Kirchin of ESPN. He, Tom Verducci, Richard Justice. Guys can play basketball. Mm. They were. 
Tim was Timmy was a great athlete. That that city, Baltimore, Rosenthal covered baseball there. I mean, and this is just sort of in my time. Peter Schmuck, a columnist there, terrific baseball writer. Um, you know, they've had uh, they've had uh, Dave Shine and Dan Connolly there now. Uh, Rock Kabutka's covered the team, but Rosenthal and uh, mm-hmm. and and um, and 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 Kirchin both. Uh, it was just, it was such a great sure. such a great great baseball market. May, may, maybe maybe the Red Sox <clears throat> being bad will help the Blue Jays. Because you you figure most of the contending teams who are trying to make a run at that all need the same thing. Elite arms out of the pen. Red Sox, no different. They need the exact same thing. If they're taking a step back and not doing that, I'm I'm not sure what that step back would look like, but it probably wouldn't be giving up a lot of something to get an elite arm out of the bullpen, (sighs) and that would help the Blue Jays. That would take one team out of the market for it. Yeah, I think the Red Sox are going to do a little bit of both. I think they're going to be prepared to make an addition to help them next year. And by extension, that would probably help them this year. And they'll also look at moving guys. Like I can see a scenario where, for example, they would move J.D. Martinez and Christian Vasquez and Nathan Uvalde and get another pitcher with a year and a half, two years major league service time in. I can see them kind of doing something like that. I don't ever see... And I could be wrong, but I don't ever see them just backing up the truck and saying Bogart's gone, Yavaldi gone, Martinez gone, Vasquez gone for prospects. I I just don't see that. I really do think the Chris Sale injury makes it easy for them to do some of what you just said. Maybe not all of what you said. Nathan Yavaldi getting rid of him makes sense. Yeah. It, it, re- it really does. Uh, and I'll do, tell you, do you what. Do you realistically I, think with their team that they have can make enough ground up to – have enough confidence to make a serious run at that in September and October? Probably not. So if the answer to that is don't think with your heart, think with your mind, which is not the easiest thing to do when you don't have limitations on what you can spend, it's uh, not going to be the easiest thing, the easiest decision, but it'll be interesting to see how they, they handle it. I feel like I'd, I should slap myself in the head as well. Buster Olney also wrote covered baseball in Baltimore. Just, uh, I mean, there were Joe Stress. There were a ton of guys. It was, as I said, it was a, just a – terrific baseball market and it's actually you know, i poke fun at the orioles just because because of the whole buck showalter thing but it's actually it's nice seeing the orioles have success without buck showalter i guess maybe that's the way i'm i'm looking at it i find them i i find what they've done this year yeah we focus on teams that are going to make the playoffs obviously but just go back and look at what and I did this last night before we did Blue Jays talk. I went back and looked at the stuff that was written about them in spring training. Like, just how they were just awful. I mean, the, the Orioles. Oh, God, yeah. The stuff. Like, well, moving the fence was, back didn't help. Yeah. It, it really didn't help because now you're trying to water down what you're trying to do as an organization by moving the fence back. Like, you're trying to make up for lack of talent. But I will say this. I mean, if you need a blueprint of how to do it, even in the American League East, it will always start with pitching and defense, and then you sort of fill in the blanks with confidence and some contact guys. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how you go about it. If you you can solidify the back end of a game the way they are, you can win a bunch of games that way. It's not just the Orioles. That's what Cleveland's done. No question. That's what Cleveland's done as well. Same thing. There are are more ways... 
there are more ways to go about it than uh never than, seen than, a team so way. happy to be in fourth place no never <laughs> never it's awesome Good and it for really them. does it really Good does for them it really does break my heart to see the red Sox in the last place not <laughs> stubby clap is first base coach of the st louis cardinals he's a beloved member of canada's national baseball program stubby clap joins us next it's blair and barker on 59360 the network and you get your favorite podcast Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Alish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, DMs are open for Barker's Backleg Bits, where we let you ask questions of Kevin Barker. My Twitter handle is SNChefFlair. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, uh, Mark Shapiro will address the local media and unveil details of the Rogers Center's upcoming renovations. I know Shai Davidi's written extensively on this. You can find it uh, on, Sportsnet, on the Sportsnet website. But uh, it'll be eagerly anticipated. Of mm-hmm. course, it's been something that's been talked about uh, Gosh, since I think since Mark, since 2015. And um, there have been changes made to the Rogers Center since then, obviously. Um, a lot of them sort of structural, but, uh, you know, the understanding is that this overhaul, this renovation will be, will be quite dramatic. And um, so we'll get those details tomorrow, uh, tomorrow afternoon, sometime. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is going to be intriguing to see what it, see what it looks like. Cause we went through a lot of iterations. Remember we thought that there would be a new ballpark perhaps built on the existing Rogers footprint. Mm-hmm. Then there was some talk about a new ballpark down at the water. <clears throat> um, but this is, uh, you know, they're, decision is, has been made or was made to settle on renovations and, um, change is a good thing. They're going to be cool. Yeah. It, Get more it, people to come and watch. And, and also, as Shai pointed out, what this does do is this does put Toronto in position to host an all-star game at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, because generally what Major League what Major League Baseball likes to do is, in, in the past at least, they've rewarded, they've rewarded cities for new stadiums or major investment mm. in stadiums. And uh, this would certainly open the, open the door to the Blue Jays, Shai Davidi saying 2027 is on the table. And, um, of course, that would be the first All-Star game at the Sky Dome since it was at the Rogers Center. It was then called the Sky Dome in 1991. Um, So there you go. These renovations are expected to uh, be finished in 2024, so it'll be a multi-stage, multi-stage thing. But we'll eagerly anticipate uh, the announcement tomorrow and get more details on uh, on the renovations to the Rogers Center. 7.07 tonight is the first pitch of the second game of this series between the Jays and Cardinals. Adam Wainwright against Kevin Gossman. Good pitching matchup. Not bad. If you're, if you're, if you're facing uh, Wainwright, for me anyway, you got to look windows. Like you you got to pick a window. You can't cover the entire strike zone. He's going to add and subtract. He's going to try and get you to chase. He's going to try and get easy, quick outs. You got to hunt windows till you get two strikes. Whatever your window is, up, down, in, and out, you pick one until he makes you change. If you do that, you have a good chance. 
It'd be a different uh, Adam Wainwright will be a different different trip for Blue Jays hitters than what what they've seen. He is. He's a smart guy. He he has to for as long as he's pitched. You got to be a really smart guy. You got to know how to add and subtract. You got to know how to read bats. You got to know what the guy's weakness is. You know, a, a guy that can pitch to a hitter's weakness that's a weapon, and he's one of those guys that can do that and add and subtract. So it'll be. This is a good test. Every once in a while, you need to run into a guy that you actually have to think along with. But don't overthink it. And that's what I mean by hunting windows. I wanted to ask you a little bit because uh, we talked about him yesterday with, with Derek Gould. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, Canadian player with the St. Louis Cardinals, left fielder. Uh, he was a guy that had a terrific year last year, gold glove winner. Uh, a, a guy that if you talk to people around the Cardinals and you say, okay, yeah, the Cardinals are probably going to be active at the trade deadline, but who on that team right now needs to pick it up a notch to, to, to put this team over the top, to catch Milwaukee and go on almost to a person that will say Tyler O'Neill. What do you think of Tyler O'Neill? I think it's very hard to go have back-to-back really good years. We're, we're, we're watching that with Blatty. Uh, it's a, when when you've had a really good year, then all of a sudden people know they have to game plan for you, and then they try and pick little things to get you out, and they really hone in on weaknesses, right? And it's you know if you don't like the ball in, that's where you're going to get it, especially hey, if you're a right-handed hitter. No right? question, gonna... no question, and that's that's why the, the the animal of being a big leaguer is that's why Pujols is is something <laughs> special. Doing it ten years in a row like he like he did it. That, that, for me, will never be seen again. I, I mentioned that the, the Vladimir Guerrero thing, Jr. thing of doing 300, 30, and 100 for 10 years in a row. It's, As a righty. It's hard. It's hard. He's going to do the 30 and 100, I think, because the, the hitters around him, and, and he just has more power than most people. He hits the ball so hard that the, the field can't hold it. But the average – now, eliminating the shift, I just don't know if the shift comes into play a lot with him. I think it's more about chasing and, and trying too hard. But it is very hard. It's very hard to have back-to-back really, really good years. It's okay to be, you know, have a really good year and have a mediocre year. But to have back-to-back years like like the, the Cardinals need to have O'Neill have, it's hard. Pitching's good. They attack weaknesses. And you have to adjust. And if you don't adjust, you, uh, you get into mental grinds of, I just can't do it. You know, it's it's down in a way I'm trying to do it, but I can't do it. And and that's a hard thing to get past. And I'm sure he's going through that. And this is what you have to do. You want to be in the big leagues a long time? You have to make adjustments. You have to make them quick. You know what? While we're waiting for Stubby, let's uh, let's do our, our, our Barker's back leg bits because we got a couple of DMs here. It's time for Barker's back leg bits. I, I remember Kevin could rake in the yep. Texas League. He I killed that league. Well, that's what you remember. I, I was that good of a player. That's why I went to had a you know a super long career in the big leagues. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. I uh, shouldn't kid anymore, should I? No, you shouldn't. We've mm. had, as a matter of fact, one of the things that a couple of people have uh, have, have said on um, on, uh, on 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 social media or on on my DMs is mm. tell Barker to stop stop talking his career down. I, and, I, and I've told you that. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you to an extent. I, I I like to talk about other players than to talk about mine all the time. Yeah. But you have firsthand experience. I do. You've done something that nobody's nobody's done. Patrick Rutledge, for example, wants to know, Kevin, have you ever had a standing ovation in your baseball career? My wedding. Huh? My wedding. That was it. Yeah, my wedding. Speech was that good? I, I was that good, Jeff, at my wedding. So yeah, absolutely. You got You got other, other than in my career, absolutely not. Like it's. Oh come on, Barker! You a standing ovation? 
Like from how many, how many players have standing ovations from crowds? Didn't you get how many? Didn't Name. You, didn't you, you get can count them on two hands? Probably. Didn't that Kevin Baker home run in winter ball? You sounded to me like people were cheering. Win, winter winter ball standing ovations when you come to the plate and they have to pause the game because everybody's clapping for you. It's not when you hit a home run and you're the home team. Yeah, I've had that a bunch of times. But to actually be walking to the plate and everybody go, hey, oh, oh, it's Marker. <laughs> everybody stand up and clap. No, I've never had that. Like, those are, that's elite stuff. That's like Joey Votto's and the, you know, the, the okay. well, it is. Well, what, what, what were you expecting? The answer would be no. Okay. I, I just I, thought, I, I thought. You know, the wedding. <laughs> That's more of a joke than because of who I married. <laughs> yeah, <it> was, <laughs> you overclubbed. Well, I mean, if you're going to, I guess so. Might, might as well be the area. Terry Whalen from from Mirror Machine, New Brunswick. By the way, Terry got the CD. Have not had a chance to listen to it yet. Swear to God, promise you, I will listen to it. Thanks for sending it to me. I didn't get a CD. Uh, I'm gonna. Terry? Well, as a matter of fact, it. Came in the it came in the mail over the weekend, Monday. Came in Monday, so Barker, I will bring you the I will bring you the CD. Hmm. And uh, so I just wanted to make sure Terry knew that because uh, I know that he uh, is a uh, longtime listener and frequent DMer. Kevin, your hesitate here we go. Your hesitation to talk about your minor league stats reminds me of Crash Davis. To an extent. Not sure where the Jays would be without very likely the best six through nine in the batting order in the MLB. Something John John Schneider, by the way, has gone out of his way to talk about this in the last in the last two days. Uh would you agree that they are the Jays unsung heroes this year? Six through nine. I mean six Guriel's kind of gotten a love, but seven, eight, nine. I said you go back and look, just go back and look at the, you know, your, your scorecard. Chapman, Espinal, and Biggio have I, I, and Jansen, I, I think that's they've, very individual. I, I think having Lourdes Gurriel Jr. do that thing that we all thought that he could do after he gets through his streakiness, I think that sort of helped everything else fall in place. Matt Chapman, we, we sort of knew who he was as a player offensively. Defensively, we knew what he was going to bring. Yeah. You know, that's, that's elite stuff. We knew he was going to help everybody else around him. But the offensive side of the ball, we knew it was going to take time. Well, we, we sort of knew that. The Lourdes Gurriel Jr. thing, he's the one guy that adds length to this lineup and mm-hmm. sort of has everything else yeah. fall in place around him. And when he's doing – now, the the stuff he's been doing and hitting the 390 over a long period of time is a lot to ask. He's got a – he's going to – I think – now, he's got a chance to hit over 400 this month, I think. Yeah, so he's been really good. And, and that, for me, that's an, that's an individual thing. But, yeah, I, I think the role players, Tapia, I like Tapia. Not a lot of people do. I, I – I think he's bought into who he is, which is the first step being a a, a fourth outfielder. Not going to hurt your team defensively. He can play all three positions in the outfield. Doesn't have to play every day to be to give you a competitive bat at the plate. That's exactly what you want your bench players to do. And Kevin Biggio's bought into something too, which has helped. Yeah, I'm with you. But for me, it starts with Lourdes. How's that? Yeah, that was my tout coming out of spring training. I'm glad he's done this because I thought... Uh, well, you were tooting that hard. Well, I I just looked at... I figured everybody would kind of do what they can do. And 
I, I just liked so much what I saw to Lourdes last year. And then, of course, spring training. And I, I wasn't at spring training, so I'm buying into what everybody's telling me. And everybody's telling me how good he looked in spring training. Sure. And he did look good you know in what, spring you know, training. You know what he's done? You know what he's done? He's helped a lineup buy into going the other way. I said this to you. I, I will not say that hitting's contagious. I ain't buying that. I don't buy that. Good approaches are contagious. I'm standing on the on-deck circle, and I see my buddy having a good approach. It's a tough out and is not afraid to let it travel and at least try and hit it over there. Don't be just going to go over there, but at least try and hit it over there. He, for me, got that whole thing rolling. AJ, AJ27, wants to know what your dream trade deadline acquisition would be for the Blue Jays. So let's say trade deadline is six o'clock Tuesday. Dream. Six o'clock Tuesday passes. Let's put it in a couple of ways. One, what perfect pitcher, perfect player for this team to what is a good trade deadline or what would be a good trade deadline for Ross Atkins? Hold on. I'm looking up a guy's stats before I say it. That's always good. Mm. By the way, Frankie Montas, I should mention this. Uh, because uh, um, according to Jeff Passan, uh, the Cardinals, the Mariners, the Yankees, Twins, Jays, and San Diego Padres uh, will all be in on Castillo. And uh, Frankie Montas, who, of course, had the shoulder injury. Jays missed him the last time they were in Oakland. He threw, threw three shutout innings, five strikeouts uh, on, uh, against the Tigers, and then uh, last night did okay against the Houston Astros, and as you said, was up to 99, 98-99. So if you're you know, acquiring a guy with a shoulder injury, you're going to be a little careful. But it appears at least as if, uh, as if Frankie Montas, while he's certainly good enough to throw 99, let's put it that way. So dream acquisition for the Blue Jays. Well, it's the obvious names. Luis Castillo for me would be the the first one, but I I think Pablo Lopez. I I, I would seriously make a run at him. He has he's under control through twenty twenty four. He's having a decent year, not a great year. You put him as your as your third or mm-hmm. fourth at sort of that third spot of competition between him and Barrios when it comes push comes to shove. October, you need your third starter. Who that might be? You got your first two guys as Blue Jay. You're looking for your third guy. Right, Pablo Lopez probably wouldn't cost you as much as Luis Castillo would, because Castillo is a carrier. Pablo Lopez, I think, can give you six legit innings and keep you in it. That for me would be probably more realistic than the other front of Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo. So I'll say Pablo Lopez if, if it's if it's doable. You may have to give up a, a, a you know, Gabby Marino. I'm doing that. That's not going to – I know Buck said those are untouchables. Arevis Martinez. Arevis Martinez got a lot, of, a, a lot of swing and miss in his game. He's got a, a lot of bias in him. Maybe not as athletic, but a lot of – you could see the same thing over and over and over and over at the plate. Even if somebody tells you, why are you doing that? He's still going to see it a lot over and over and over again. I know he's young, and I know the potential's there, but it's win mode now time. You're trying to win it. You're in it. So that would be it. The left-handed bat, I don't know. Ian Happ, I, does that move the needle? Can he hit second for you in playoffs? I think he probably could. I know. He takes it bad away from – he'll take it bad away from Kirk or Vladdy. Now, I will say this. Now, that's a good now, point. Now, I'm going to say that, this. That is a good point. And I'm going to say this, and I, this is probably not going to be a popular conversation to have. They will have to think about the Alejandro Kirk hitting third – 
we're we're big picture here. We're thinking playoffs. It will. It could early in the game take three hits to score Kirk from first. Three hits. You're gonna face the best of the best when it comes to pitching. Is that who you want hitting third for you? You're gonna have to really think about that. Now he's one of their better hitters, so you want your best hitters getting the most bats. But you got to be realistic here. You're you're probably gonna think more of bloop and bombs. Hmm. That'll be a thing too that they think about. And I know I'm thinking big picture, and I'm getting ahead of myself here. But if you're if you're making a run at this, and you're going out trying to get Ian Haps of the world who's switch hitting and and it's controllable, and it's going to cost you some stuff, you're you're getting that not to hit seventh or eighth. You're getting that to hit somewhere in the meteor order. So I'm going to start it with Pablo Lopez because I don't think the other two are realistic. I think there'll be other bigger teams who have bigger fish that they can give up than the Blue Jays have. And we know that the the the, the Marlins are in the market <clears throat> for position players. Hey, well, do you want to give up yeah. to Oscar Hernandez? <laughs> we talked about length of lineup. It might I, be it might be a, it might be tough to give him up now. The way he's hitting, the way his approach, and he's I got to have I got to have a ready made. If if I'm going to do that, with all due respect, then I love Ron Tapia as much as you do. If I'm going to do that, I've got to have a ready-made left-handed bat that I can put in there. A guy like I'm just throwing a name out because I don't. Know, but you know, a Michael Conforto type of guy, a guy who was good enough to play every day. Like that is the only way I consider moving a guy like Teoscar. And I think for me, anyhow, I don't know how you feel. For me, Lourdes is off the table now because I think he's the guy that maybe ends up hitting third when everything is uh, when 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 everything is the way it should be. That's. That would be the only way I'd entertain moving one of the one of the outfielders. But I, I am with you on the guy. I would love to have Pablo Lopez here. He's controllable. You're right. He's good enough that he could be. If if there's an injury, God forbid there's an injury or something like that, he's certainly good Got enough to pitch in a playoff surprise game. To him too. The American League East hasn't seen him a ton. Yeah. Yeah. They've seen him a little bit. They know the movement and how hard he throws and all those things. But you want a little that in the American League East. You want a little element of surprise. He'll give you that. Down the stretch, because you got to remember, you still got to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you say Kikuchi, die. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. He has a bad start. Are you going to see that again? Well, that is uh, funny you should mention that. David in Saskatoon, shout out to Saskatoon <coughs> on uh, DMs, asks that question. He says, let's assume, well, he puts it differently. He says, let's assume that you say Kikuchi is just okay against Detroit. How do you react to that? If, if he's, he, if, if he's if okay, he's, okay, he's okay. getting another start. Okay. They're, 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 again, if you sign a guy for three for 36 that nobody else would, you're going to do everything in your power not to look bad about it. I mean, let's be honest. So if he looks okay, he's getting another start. If he looks awful, then that's forcing their hand enough to say, you, you know, you're, you're doing enough to disrupt everybody else's game to make it harder to win the series, that it's going to force your hand enough that you you he's scrapped duty. At least he would be for me. Put up time now. So I hope I answered that question. I think you did well enough that that the pitcher, the big pitcher here is winning, and that's what it's all about. And if you're a Jays fan, you got to be happy about that. That now they've shown you that's about winning, and they will, you know, <laughs> you know. Have a guy have a neck injury. <laughs> I mean, they will. Yeah. 
They, that, <laughs> is, that is true. They will. So that that's that's a good thing. And, and I'm sure if he has a bad start, they'll do enough. They'll they'll make enough adjustments that they'll they'll have to go out and do things that they have to do. This is a little uh, little bit of a. I don't know if I'd say it was necessarily an off the wall, necessarily an off the wall question, but uh, Michael wants to know who on the Jays who. On the Jays' bullpen, who in the Jays' bullpen, pardon me, he says who on, but who in the Jays' mm-hmm. bullpen? You correct my grammar every time I text I, I know I do. Who? <laughs> every single time. Yeah, I'm, trying, I'm trying to read this. Who in the Jays' bullpen has not yet reached their potential? <sighs> is there a surprise? I guess what he's saying is, is there, a, is, is there somebody that you think could be a bit of a surprise. And I guess we're, we're looking at it. We'd be looking at it like, well, I, well you know, Jordan Romano is Jordan Romano. Is this what Jordan Romano is? Or can Jordan Romano become one of the really elite closers in the game? Do you see uh, any maybe way he's that already happens? There. Maybe when he pitches, he, when he's pitching, is he already there? Well, I mean, what more could he do? Right. Don't abuse the slider, throw more haters. Cause it's a hundred or it can be a hundred. The velocity, they figured out enough that he looks like he can maintain the, enough of the velocity that he can get away with a bad slider, which is a good thing. Adam Simber, is that going to get any better? That is what that is. It's some trickery. It's the it's the illusion that it's rising. That's good with two strikes. He can get mm-hmm. lefties and righties out, so you're comfortable giving him an eighth inning. Are you comfortable giving it to him against a good team? Jimmy Garcia? <clears throat> I mean, he's a veteran guy. I veteran guys sort of are what they are. That's why you give them 11 million bucks. Right. So no, for me, no. I want to ask you this. Uh, again, we, uh, we're expecting stubby clap, but uh, sometimes, sometimes life gets in the way, shall we say. And uh, the Yankees right now are in the middle of a 14 and 14 run. Um, what were they before? The 52, 52 18. They had that, that, out, that outrageous start. Mm-hmm. They're two and five against the Astros. Um, and Buck kind of alluded to this. You know, the Jays are 11 and a half back. Now, 11 and a half is, is uh, a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Yankees maybe need to do more than they think? In other words, teams know what they're all about. They know what they're all about more than than um, obviously than than than. But Carlos Stanton too went on the IL, didn't he? Yeah, you think that maybe Brian Cashman's looking at this team and going, you know, um, had a lot of good stuff happen this year, but we're starting to get a little threadbare, and you know, maybe we we got to do something here. No question. No 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 question. If you would almost think if anybody could could afford when it comes to clubhouse and fan base to get Juan Soto. That's the team. Just that just that jolt of boy, we're in it and can sort of muscle up against the Astros. For me anyway, Brian Cashman's doing it to beat the Astros, not to win the American League East. I know what Buck said about you know, the, the Blue Jays, I just don't think there's enough games to come back in the American League East. There's too big of a de- deficit. I, there could be. It's sports, and anything could happen. I mean, the Yankees could fall off a cliff. I doubt it. 
Because Judge, if he's healthy, he'll keep them far enough ahead with what he's doing. And they got Gary Cole, and they got enough out of the pen to, to beat teams that they're supposed to be beating. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's – I think, the, for me, they're probably one of the teams that will get Frankie Montas. You've sort that, of that thought will all be, along. Luis Castillo, for me, will go to the Dodgers. That, that makes too much sense, and they got a lot that they can give up because I think the Reds sounds like they're asking for a ton to get Castillo because they know the, who the teams are that are wanting him. I mean, he's the final piece. He's like that guy that these teams know that if they get him, if they get him, and Frankie Montas is, is he a number one? That that for me is that's that's the thing, right? Is is if the Yankees were to get Montas, do, do, do they think? Because the Astros have seen Frankie Montas. That's another thing too. Is you want to get a little bit of of I'm trying to muscle up and get through the amount of innings I need to get through to beat the Yankees. Or beat the Astros. And if you're the Astros, you're thinking the same thing against the Yankees. Now, the Astros got a little mojo. <laughs> and they know they can go to Yankee Stadium and beat the Yankees. Do the Yankees think they can go to Minute Maid and beat the Astros? Mm. Even without the banging. Uh, this is a great... Actually, we just got this. This is a great... This is very. This is a, a very good, very good question. Uh, DJ from Calgary, and uh, shout out to our friends in Calgary. Uh-huh. We're on the station, the Sportsnet stations in Vancouver and Calgary at different times. So uh, you check your check your check your your schedules, your local schedule, to find out. I was kind of hoping somebody would say this. He's asking about the incident with Carlos Rodon yesterday. You saw that comes out of the game, seven three loss to the Diamondbacks. He's the Giants pitcher kicks at a bat that was leaning up against the bench. Mm-hmm. The bat goes into the air, hits an infielder, Thyro Estrada, on the shins. He falls backwards. And uh, a lot of giant, the Giants players were not happy. Mm-hmm. Guys like Wilmer Floyd, a couple of guys stepped up and, and, and talked about it. Um, and, and to his point, Carlos wrote on, you know, apologized and said he was embarrassed. Like he, you could tell, you could tell what happened. Mm-hmm. You ever seen anything like that in Absolutely. the dugout you've been involved in? I've seen a lot of helmet throwing and, and it go and hit somebody else in the, in the face. I've seen some, I, I, I can't remember this guy's name cause I terrible with names, but I do remember somebody that's, that was having a bad time in AAA threw his helmet and knocked somebody's tooth out. Ooh. I have, I have seen that and it caused a fight after the game. Like dude, I'm telling you. You you mess there around with all stuff. there absolutely yeah. is because especially it's there, not the teammate level. the teammate thing the clubhouse thing's not always roses I know people always love to say oh boy that clubhouse thing is you put twenty five dudes in a room testosterone enough is going to and people struggling and trying to go to the big leagues and stay in the big leagues tempers people don't like that occasionally I'm not going to like you I don't care if you're my friend you know brothers don't like each other do they Jeff. So it's just, yeah, I've seen that. And it got so bad when I was in Louisville that uh, Rick Sweet, the manager, put a punching bag in the in the in down in the tunnel. So, you know, instead of throwing things, because it got so bad where people were getting hit, helmets being thrown, and people trying to go to the big leagues yeah. and make more money, that he hung a punching bag it, down there. So go down there and beat that thing to death. See, you, you, so you do that. I find this really interesting because people do talk about clubhouses and all that and the importance of that. <laughs> but... When you are at AAA in particular, you're an independent contractor. No you question. want to get a job in the majors. No question. Uh, the teammate thing only works only only works so well. That I would think there'd be a different when a guy pitches a fit in the dugout 
in the minors. It's different than it is. Watch, watch how many. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a guy that thinks a runner on third base less than two outs who's on the bubble going to the big leagues or not. When the RBI matters mm-hmm. to a guy in AAA who is a run producer, hits a sack fly who thinks it's a sack fly, and the guy at third don't go. And you see actually chirping between the player hmm. that hit it running off the field and the dude that's standing at third and the manager. I've done it. I've done it to Rick Sweet. Don't be afraid. I don't care if it's first inning. I don't care if that's a lazy pop-up to halfway in the outfield. I don't care. That mm-hmm. that matters. It's a big deal. Like no, I, tempers go directions. Now you gotta be you, you know, you gotta be your you gotta be comfortable with who you are as a player. But I've said there's like I just think it's funny occasionally when everybody's yelling and screaming about that clubhouse thing, man, and about the jacket and everybody's buddy buddy. Yeah, I guess. It's performance driven, man. Like it it's when everybody when everything's going well and you're winning nine out of ten and, and everybody that matters is doing their job, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But when those guys that matter aren't aren't doing their job, then all of a sudden things, even though you're winning, ain't always the best. That's the sports. Yeah. It's tempers. You're you're a grown man. That was good. Good insight. Uh, that's it for Blair and Barker today. We'll be back tonight for Blue Jays Talk following the Blue Jays game against the St. Louis Cardinals. 707 first pitch Adam Wainwright for the cards. Kevin Gossman for the Blue Jays should be a good one. We'll also be back with Blair and Barker tomorrow. Same time, same place, 10 to noon Eastern. Have a great day.